Hello and welcome to a long overdue edition of the Puck Junk Podcast. Sal Barry here along with Tim, aka The Real DFG on Twitter. And today we're going to talk a little bit about, oh, I don't know, the coaching change chaos, um, some new hockey cards, maybe a couple of other things. Tim, you want to you wanna start with hockey cards this, this episode? Sure, we can start with hockey cards. So what did you buy? You bought some new stuff recently. Yeah, we um, we picked up uh, the new sixteen seventeen OPG platinum hockey, um, and we we usually do the platinum every year because, um, as some people know, my wife is in love with shiny things, and so can't get more shiny than OPG platinum. Can't get more shiny so, than your head. Oh, sorry, I didn't. Well, yeah. <laughs> It's kind of, there's a glare on it right now. You can kind of see from the fluorescent light, but, um, yes. So uh, this, this year's, here's the thing. I like it. I like it every year. It wasn't like extremely over the top or anything. Um, you know, basically you're looking at, uh, more or less a parallel version of the base OPP cards. Um, they do sort the numbers a little differently. A few other things, but, um, you know, if you took the, um, if you, if you took like the base OPG and, uh, made them really super shiny, like Chrome, like that, that's pretty much what you have out of platinum. Um, they also have, uh, parallels in there as well. Um, like they've been doing in the last few years, uh, they have the rainbow parallels that are kind of. Hard to figure out whether or not a rainbow. However, this year, and I don't know if they did this last year too, but I don't remember them doing it. But this year, they marked on the card if it actually is a parallel or not. So, if you look at the rainbow one, it actually says rainbow rather than needed, having to hold it sideways in the light. Yeah, and it kind of needed that because you needed to you needed to hold it sideways in the light. And I actually liked the rainbow parallels better. Um, and I, I kind of wish the whole set was like that. At least the last few times I've bought OPG Platinum. Uh, I've yeah, and, and that's that's exactly it. You're, you're looking at it and you're like, I'm not sure if this is rainbow or not. So you have to hold like, like the entire stack of cards together and see that there's one that has a little different shine to it. Has kind of like the oil spill-like shine to it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, that's actually um, but they're marked to... on the backs now. Mm-hmm. Um, so they they show whether or not it's a rainbow parallel or not, and then of course, parallels are all marked. So you've got things like ice blue tracks parallels and, and the, the rainbow orange parallels and the I can't remember them all. Rainbow, yeah, rainbow orange, red prism, seismic gold. A uh, whole bunch of different ones. We pulled a few of them. We didn't get all representation of the parallels out of the two boxes we got, but we got quite a few. Some pretty decent ones out of there. Um, so, two boxes. Go ahead. So, like, a box is 20 packs, roughly about $80 a box. So you're looking at, uh, well, at least that's the online price. So that's the that's roughly $4 a pack. Then you get four cards per pack. So you're roughly at like a dollar a card. Yeah, it's about a buck a card. A buck a card. And so I think one of the, my issues that I've had with Opeachy Platinum, I've had two problems with it. One is that it just doesn't feel like a dollar a card type of product. 
And the other thing is that the collation has been, at least when I've bought it, it's been terrible. Like, I remember buying three boxes and, like, just getting doubles and doubles and doubles and still needing, like, like out of 150 cards, I'm thinking a couple of years ago, so I don't remember if it was 150 cards and 50 rookies or 200 or, or whatever, but I know that the collation was just terrible. Like, in three boxes, I still didn't have a set, and I probably had as many doubles as I did cards in the set. So, I don't know. I, I just kind of steer clear of... It's a set that I don't like to build. I'm wondering what your... Uh, collation was like in the two boxes that you got well two years ago we had the same issue mm -hmm. but a part part of that was probably because we bought maybe we probably opened five boxes a couple years ago mm -hmm. when it was i think that was probably the first year that they did it mm -hmm. um and it it was kind of like that but you know, we bought two boxes from one case and another box from another case from somewhere else and another box from another case from somewhere else so i think that was part of our issue uh last year we didn't have that problem but granted we didn't very open very much um these two boxes no doubles not one wow so um out of the two boxes um you know trying to put the base together with the rookies and the like the high numbers and the and the regular base cards mm -hmm. uh, i think we're about 80 cards short of a full of a full base set mm -hmm. so i mean considering you only get 80 cards in a box and a lot of the going to be parallel cards and inserts and there's what there's one hand signed on card autograph in each box too um which the two that we got in case anybody was wondering, wondering. we got your but we, we got your buddy nick schmaltz from uh, the the Blackhawks, oh, and it's on card. Nice. Um, and then the other one we got was uh, Nikita Sh uh, Soshnikov from the from the Maple Leafs. The wrong Maple Leafs rookie, but you know, what are you gonna do? So, did you, but did you have like that split second of yeah, uh, like you saw a Maple Leaf rookie and you're like, <sighs> like like that 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 false hope. Well, the interesting thing is the first. Nick Schmaltz auto was in the very first pack on the top. Mm -hmm. And I thought the, the autograph is never on the top. I mean, that's really, that was really bizarre, mm -hmm. but the box was all right. I liked, I liked a lot of the inserts we got. They have a, it's called puck personas and it's, it's a die cut art. It's shaped like a hockey puck. Mm -hmm. It's really small. It's actually, it's actually about the size of a hostess ding dong, uh, rather than an actual hockey puck, mm -hmm. but um, it's it was interesting. It was something different, and most of the inserts are are die cut. It's to some extent. Mm -hmm. They have something called platinum phenoms that I don't really know what the theme of that is. The two we got were like Zetterberg and Dylan Strom, but they also have NHL logo crest cards, mm -hmm. where it's basically it looks like a shield. It's shaped like a shield, has the NHL logo and a player on the front. We actually pulled Lemieux out of that box so i was kind of happy with that because they have old players and new players but the second box we opened lemieux, again not yeah it was it was lemieux uh, that, that logo crest so that was good nice. for me but the second box we opened so the left pack had the auto in the first box the right pack on the top had the auto in the second box hmm. and it was this the soshnikov one so i was like wow that was the anticlimactic the first two packs we opened and we already got the auto but i saw that it was the maple leaf card the funny part is as we started going through that box we pulled an austin matthews rainbow 
parallel. Mm-hmm. We pulled a Patrick Line rainbow parallel. Mm-hmm. We pulled a Kasperi Kapanen a retro rainbow parallel uh, out of that one. So, I mean, we were hitting like like all the big rookies, and we got um, uh, Matthew Kachuk um, retro, retro rainbow parallel as well. Not only that, we got a, a uh, uh, what's his name? The guy from uh, the from the Pro, Provorov. We got a Provorov seismic gold parallel and like all the rookies were in this one box wow. so that was that was k- k- kind of weird but it was still it was still two pretty good pretty good boxes i mean i here's the thing a buck a card yeah it seems a little, little deep mm-hmm. factor in the, what you're getting insert wise you know maybe those inserts might be more which would bring the price down i'm gonna say i don't know 75 cents is probably a good bet on what individual just base cards would be mm-hmm. versus what the overall collation would be of the inserts and in parallels and all of that kind of stuff. So, I mean, it's probably, this is probably not a set for set builders necessarily. And it's probably not a set for somebody that's looking for major, super Uber mojo hits. Um, you know, but for a mid range collector, that's looking for something that's kind of nice with the potential of, some pretty decent autographs and, and some nice parallel cards. I mean, it's 80 bucks. I mean, any more 80 bucks seems kind of cheap. Yeah, it kind of does nowadays. And that's, that's yeah. kind of funny and also kind of sad, but, um, yeah, I, I, uh, it's something I might scoop up a set of, um, cause I like the fact that it's kind of like an update to the OPG set. Cause I like the OPG set. I wish they would do it in two series, like an Upper Deck Series 1, Upper Deck Series 2. Like, I'd love that. Um, and, I mean, I know back in, I think it was 08, 09, they, they did... 08, 09 and 2009, 10, they did an update set. And 08, 09, they did the update set in packs. And I don't think it was really successful, but that's a story for another time. Um, yeah. But... This, uh, yeah, this set, I don't know, and then at one auto autograph per box, I mean, I like autographs, they are on card, like you said, I, I guess, like I said, if it's something you're gonna buy, it's something you're probably gonna like, and if it's something you're not gonna buy, you're probably not gonna buy, and I guess it just, it, like I said, I just want a fighting chance of building a set, and, um, and, you know, but then again, that's, that's what I'm after, and I understand that people just want hits, or people just want parallels, or, it sounds like there were a lot of rookie cards, like, it wasn't just like one in every four packs or whatever, like like young guns or something. Yeah, there were there were a lot more. I mean, Opeachy usually throws rookies out a little little more than normal in their in their uh, flagship set. Oh yeah, but, that's true. You know, here's the thing: if you're gonna if you're gonna build one of these, mm-hmm. you're you're going to need at, at least three boxes, and you may be short if you're trying to do the whole base set with the rookies. Um, you're going to need at least three boxes. And my recommendation is, is buy them out of the same case because I think you'll do better with the collation that way. Right. But if you pick a box up here from this guy and then buy another box from some other guy, mm-hmm. then who knows? Who knows? You might end up like a few years ago when everybody had the same number of cards. Everything oh, ended yeah. in a three, five or eight or <laughs> zero two or nine or whatever it was. Yeah. Yeah. That so. was, that was hilarious. Um, so 
also in the news, so okay, the playoffs are going on right now. We're probably not going to talk too much about them just because we're recording this before, well, during some playoff games, before other playoff games. Uh, but uh, I want to I wanna pick your brain on the coaching carousel, as they call it. Um, we had a couple of guys let go. We had a couple of guys hired. Um, I mean, I guess we could... Some of this is kind of old news already, but I still think it's just, it's interesting to talk about because we know we're not done with coaching changes as teams get eliminated from the playoffs and don't meet those expectations. Like, sorry, your team didn't win the Stanley Cup. We're firing you. Um, but the Golden Knights, Gerard Gallant as their head coach. And the first thing I want to say is just, I am so glad that the Golden Knights did not hire... Daryl Sutter as their head coach because I think he would have been a total buzzkill as their head coach because you know Daryl is a serious dude I mean he smiled twice once in 2012 once in 2014 I think he was lifting the cup when he was smiling um I think it was only a partial smile though yeah it was kind of a half smile like okay I'll allow myself this 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 opportunity to smile but um I mean, shit, I remember him when he was the coach of the Blackhawks, and he was a serious dude back then. Um, and that's okay to be serious, and I'm not saying, like, you want your players, like, running around all willy-nilly and, and, and living it up in the Vegas lifestyle, but I just can't see him... I don't know. He's he's actually funny in press conferences. He can be funny. He's interesting in press conferences whenever I could catch him in them. I'll watch him because he's serious, but he, he's very to the point, and he, he's very cordial um so he doesn't come off as a jerk but he just doesn't strike me as he's it, it, i don't know just not this not the guy i'd want as my coach in vegas so that's why i'm glad yeah. it was Ger- gerard Gallant. though i would have gone after ken hitchcock but that's just me see it's interesting that you say that because ken ken hitchcock i think is a good coach when you have a team that has most of the most of the dominoes are set and there only needs to be a couple more pieces put in place and Hitchcock flourishes in those environments I don't know necessarily that building a team from the bottom up is where he would and I could be wrong on that because I don't I mean I don't know everything there is to know about Ken Hitchcock but just for just from my experience experience of seeing him and where when he's successful it seems like when he gets thrown into a situation like Dallas where they're right there and they just got to tweak a couple things and they're back in the playoffs Mm -hmm. and they're you know competing for a cup again Mm -hmm. so I don't necessarily think that he would have been the right choice I think of the guys that were out there that have the coaching experience without jumping into AAL guys or college coaches and starting fresh, Gallant was probably the best choice they made. And is that maybe because he's 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 an NHL coach, but he's he's not yet a lifer like a Hitchcock or like a, a Sutter, someone who's just been around for a long time in the NHL. Well, not only that, he's already gone through expansion once. I mean, he was the assistant coach in Columbus when they were expansion team mm-hmm. back in 2000 mm-hmm. and it's like to to have to build a team from scratch and n- now he's gifted the the expansion rules 
to make a team successful right out of the box rather than in the old old days like it was where people were getting everybody's dregs. You know, now at least they're able to get high draft uh, in the regular entry draft and they're able to to get quite a few unprotected players from the 30 teams that are out there come the expansion drafts after after the cup final so i mean out of the box they're probably going to have at least on paper the most competitive expansion team that there's been in that i can remember Okay. Yeah. I mean, they'll 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 have a lineup. Let's put it this way: they'll have a couple lines on their team with players you've actually heard of. Okay. Yeah, that's a good point. And 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 bringing the coach on obviously at this point, so he can have some input on uh, on the players that they they pick. Yeah, I think that's exciting. And I I think that I'll be glad when the expansion draft um, happens, so that we can stop seeing all these articles in my Facebook feed about potential fantasy draft uh for for expansion because i'm so tired of like if the expansion draft was tomorrow who would be on the vegas team and it's always a picture of mark andre Fleury. of course it is it is right even though i mean you pointed out his no trade clause or whatever but i just I'm, I'm tired of people speculating especially when the rules weren't established at least now we know what the rules well, are and i still i still don't really understand what, well i still don't really understand what the rules are because you know I get how many players of each position you're supposed to. But then when you get past that, you know, they say, well, guys with no trade clauses and no movement clauses, you have to protect unless they waive their rights to be protected. Mm-hmm. Uh, guys that are in their first year or second year have to be or, or, or aren't subject to the draft at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so everybody's talking about the goalie controversy in Pittsburgh. Well, here you go. You got Flurry, who's protected because he's got a no movement clause you've got matt murray who's so he's exempt and one of the rules is you have to leave one goalie unprotected so who do you leave you got two goalies on your roster both of them are pretty much exempt what do you do so either flurry have to waive his no trade clause or they're somehow gonna have to get somebody bumped up and put them available who would that be would that be tristan jari who's been sitting on the bench backing up flurry since murray's hurt he hasn't played enough games he's not eligible right or you just do you, I mean, do you pull uh just because of what do you do like exempt, in the old days just because a player's yeah, exempt doesn't mean that you 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 have to protect them so are they still subject to the draft though because if they're exempt from the draft, they can't be drafted. That's my interpretation of that. Right, but I guess maybe I'm wrong. To, if, but I mean, I'm just saying. But if you have to offer a goalie, then you have to offer a goalie. And I think what's going to happen right. is you're going to see a, a lot of trades happen before then. Like, it, well, they're going to have to happen quick because this the the expansion draft. They have to have the in with their. Um, protected players within three days of the end of the Stanley cup finals. Mm-hmm. So there's not a whole lot. That's even before the free agency is up. Right. So, so you got, you got a very small window of opportunity. There. Look, think about the old days when they did expansion drafts like this guys towards the, before they knew that there were going to be expansion drafts, teams would pick up and sign 
third string and fourth string goalies to their roster, keep them there, make sure they played enough games to qualify for the draft and leave them as the unprotected players so that who was going to get drafted? Well, there was going to be guys that were never going to get signed in the first place and move them on. You know, I mean, Florida got lucky. Florida ended up with Van Beesbrook. They got lucky because there were a ton of players that were out there. The Canucks acquired Van Beesbrook to put him in the solely for the purpose of putting him in the expansion draft. Right. And a lot and of people I mean, look think at the career he, he was had. drafted from the Rangers, and he wasn't. He was drafted from the Canucks. The Rangers traded him to the Canucks. The Canucks wanted to keep Kirk McLean as their first string goalie. And, you know, they didn't care if they, their, their second stringer, if, if they kept them or lost them because, you know, either, the, and I don't know who their backup was that year, but um, I don't remember, but they were probably like, okay, well, hey, if, if we end up with Van Beesbrook as the backup, awesome. And if not, then we still have our goalie tandem from the previous year, you know, and, and so that was their strategy. Right. And that's exactly it. There's a whole thing where we picked up this goalie, put him in, made sure he's he's covered what he actually needed to cover so that if they're going to draft somebody, we're going to keep our guys we want. You know, they can't touch him. Or look at all the trades that would go down and the deals that would go down. You know, they'll call you, you know, the other team calls up and says, hey, if you agree not to draft so and so, we'll give you $500,000 and these two guys from. And it's, you know what, our AHL team. It's actually, it's, it's going to be for players. It can't really be for money anymore. The, after the Lindros trade, the NHL decided, uh, you know what, we can't let money just be the driving force in a trade. So you won't see that sort of thing anymore, but, um, you will, but it's happened in the past. I mean, it's something that's happened in the, in the past, but now it's going to be kind of like, Hey, if you don't, draft our goalie who we have to leave unprotected we will give you this player you know this forward or this defenseman or this prospect or something so yeah those those backroom deals are exciting i actually a couple months ago i uh, i wrote an article for the hockey news called draft tricks and it was about all the funny stuff that the gms would do to try to keep their players as many of their players as they could and one thing that was funny was um, uh, there was a player in the 90s named um, Frederick Shabbat. Do you remember him? He was a goaltender. Frederick Shabbat. Hmm. I remember John Shabbat. No, John Shabbat was I don't on think the... I remember Frederick Shabbat. Hang on. Let me just look him up real quick. Make sure that I'm not uh, forgetting his yeah, Frederick yeah, Shabbat. There's... Yeah, so there he is on Hockey DB. So anyway, um, and he played a total of 32 games in the NHL. And what was funny about him, and I actually talked to him for this article, uh, and he was actually very, for a guy, uh, well, okay, so he had been in five of the expansion drafts in the 90s. And he... Um, was drafted, you know, and I wrote this article, and I can't quite remember. Actually, I could just look at show trades. I think he was taken three times. Yeah, he was claimed by Tampa Bay. He was claimed by the National Predators. And then he was claimed by the Blue Jackets. So he was actually, he was in five expansion drafts. He was claimed three times. 
And I said to him, I said, do you know that you have the record for being in the most expansion drafts? And he chuckles, and, and in his French-Canadian accent, he's like, uh-huh, that, that does not surprise me. And he was actually very jovial about it. Um, and what's funny, though, is that he was kind of like, you ever see that thing where they put, like, a dollar bill on a string, and then somebody goes to grab it, and then they pull the string really quick, and the dollar bill jumps away? It was kind of like that, because, like, Montreal kept reacquiring him just, it seemed, just for the purpose to put him in next year's expansion draft. Yeah, right. and, and yet he never played for. I'm sure there's. Team. I'm sure there's others like him. Well, yeah, but no, but he has the record for that. I mean, he's been. He was in like almost every expansion draft in the '90s, and he was he was picked three times. But then he, he and then even like, um, you know, and then like, and then he played with the Kings for a little while, and then it was like, you know, he'd always just be in just enough games to qualify because I think like one season he played like. 10 or 11 games and that was just like there was something like a 10 game threshold and he played in like 11 games so then he was just experienced enough to be in 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 the expansion draft and yeah you do see a lot of that stuff i mean i remember back in 92 when um the blackhawks had that goaltender ray leblanc who was doing really good in the uh the winter olympics in albertville do you remember that do you remember that yeah yeah so he was picked up for that sole purpose. He well, no, he was on the Blackhawks. He was in their minor on their minor league team. They had a log jam of goaltenders that year because they had Belfour, they had Hashek, they had Jimmy Waite, they had a lot of they had a lot of bodies. They had a lot of netminders. So they ended up loaning him uh, Ray LeBlanc um, to the to the Olympic team, and then when he came back, the Blackhawks said, "Oh, we're going to reward him for his." Uh, good Olympic performance and start him in the game, but really it was just to get him, just to get him that one game experience. Because at the time you had to offer up a goalie who needed, who had one game of experience. Yeah. So I mean, so there you go. And you're you're not going to give up Shake, and you're not going to give up Belfour, and you're not going to give up Jimmy Waite. So although who's the they, low man on the totem pole? There you go. Right. Although actually, then they they did, <laughs> but then they did trade Dominic Hashek. For Christian Root, well, for it ended up being for Christian Root too. It was a three-way trade that fall, and they didn't have to. Like they they managed to not lose Belfour, Weight, or Hashek, and then they they traded away Hashek for like a, a bag of broken hockey sticks, and yeah, the rest is history. That's, that's probably better better than the Steve nails that the Penguins got for Yager when they got rid of him. So. Oh yeah, well, but at least Yager got to be a great player with the Penguins. Hashek yeah. didn't reach his potential till after, excuse me, after he left the Blackhawks. So uh, that is true. Anyway, so uh, yeah, so it it should be exciting to see what kind of team they build under Gerard Gallant. Any thoughts on any of the other uh, the coaches? I mean, Tom Rowe gone in Florida. We probably saw that coming. You know, until until they made the Gallant announcement, I was. I actually had the idea in the back of my head that they were going to rehire Gerard Gallant and, you know, it was going to go back to um, kind of let's fix what we broke because we thought it was broke, but it really wasn't broke kind of thing. Um, and, you know, obviously that didn't happen, but Florida, I, I don't, I'm sorry. Florida's a mess. Well, they're, they're just a mess. They got Dale Talon back a mess. to write, write the ship. So 
Yeah, but it, the thing is, Dale Talon never left. He was bumped upstairs to the stupid position of director of player personnel, which really holds no power and has no purpose. And instead of being the GM, because they never really took the GM label off of Tom Rowe when he be, when he appointed himself as head coach of the team, mm-hmm. and all of his, his functions were being done by all the other guys. Mm-hmm. So now you got Gallant in Vegas, and you got. Uh, uh, what's his la- What's his name? Scott. Uh, 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 who, who's their player personnel guy? Um, but he's he's in Vegas now too. Mm-hmm. Um, they hired like everyone. I mean everyone, all the way down to like the director of travel. Mm-hmm. These guys all got canned, and these these were all the cogs of the wheel that brought Florida into the playoffs last year, and had 103 points mm-hmm. in the regular regular season the highest in franchise history and then you come in you lose a couple games and all of a sudden time to clean house that's not how it works and obviously they saw that and the players didn't buy into tom rose crap and so now here we are and you know he pointed fingers and put blame at all his high-priced players that are veterans that weren't living up to expectations well how about putting the label on all of the guys you traded for that you expected to come and make and and then oh guess what they didn't you know you got rid of good branson it was the worst thing they ever did mm-hmm. and you hire a bunch of d-men that supposedly can move the puck up the ice now granted they had a lot of injuries this year but so did a lot of teams and a lot of those teams are in the playoffs boston had injuries left and right the penguins had injuries left and mm-hmm. right you know washington dealt with some injuries tampa bay obviously almost made the playoffs they were a lot closer than Florida was, and they had tons of injuries. So, you know, the Florida situation—I think it's—it's it's a big mess. You know, Talon's gonna—he has his hands full to get that to get it at least back to where it was, where he spent all the time building the team up to be, mm-hmm. only to have them tear it down in front of him. I, I'll just never. Uh, I'm not a Florida fan, but I'm a hockey fan, and what they did to that team is horrible. What do you it's think, just off. What do you think about but, what do you think about the Kings uh, getting rid of uh, Sutter and, and Lombardi as as the GM? Um, I mean, based on that, like they were missing Jonathan Quick most of the season. They were making do with. I mean, Peter Budai played admirably, but I mean, he's not Jonathan Quick. Sutter's gone because they didn't make the playoffs. But do you think That's that was fair because he didn't have Jonathan Quick? I mean, life, nothing's fair. I get that. But. Okay. Who, who, you know, who set up the team? Who drafted them? The development G, in, the in their yeah. in the AM. Okay. So here's, here's the GM. The GM's canned because of all the stupid deals that they have with players that aren't performing. Look at, look at Gaverick's con- contract. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. It doesn't make any sense. It's, it's huge. It has no business being huge. And there's they're plagued with that on that team. And you're never you're never going to be able to compete with the other teams in the league that have wisely used their money on the KG veteran and building up their junior teams. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't say junior, but their Miners, you yeah. know, their minor league teams, their 
NHL teams or whatever. And so that when these things happen, they can bring somebody up. I I know I'm as a Penguins fan having two number one goaltenders, but there's a lot of good prospects that are out there that can be put into these systems and developed and brought up for experience when guys go down. I mean, we've seen it time and time again. Again, a number one goalie who doesn't have strong backup goes down. The team is it's a turtle flipped on its back. It has no idea what to do. Can't rely on just your goaltending to get you through an entire season. Yeah. Like you said, I mean, you know, the backups they played well in the situations that they. That they're not Jonathan Quick. Well, the trade for Bishop so, I thought was was a really gutsy move, but it was it was too little. It was too late at that point. Well, yeah, point of no return. And how are you going to write ship when now you have all these other issues? You know, there were guys that they've spent all this money on that weren't getting ice time, mm-hmm. um, and, and guys that they are spending tons of money on that are just underperforming. So I think for LA, it's going to be a fresh start with a new GM, new coach. Next year, is L.A. a playoff team? Maybe. Um, I could see them having another year like they had this year mm-hmm. and, and kind of falling back. But, but, you know, they're again, they're right there. They just need somebody to come in, right the ship, fix it, and, it, you know, they can go on from there. How about in um, Dallas? You know, the Dallas situation. Yeah, the Dallas situation. Ken Hitchcock, I think, will he'll do fine. Right, but everybody Dallas will be. There's no doubt in my mind that Dallas will be there next year. Well, okay, no doubt. But but the thing is, and this is a really popular thing to say, so it's not like I'm the first person or will be the last person to point this out. But Dallas is really not great in goaltending. Like you would think that well, Dallas hasn't been great in goaltending. But they haven't. They haven't done anything about it. In like, I mean, they've had those guys for a couple of years now, and I mean, they've had Niemi. And they've had uh, 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 not not Pavlik, the other former Atlanta Thrasher, Lettinen, Carrie uh, Lettinen, and it's like they're they're both guys that neither is a number one goalie, and they need one, and I think that they they're going to have to do that, or they're not going to. It's their situation's not going to improve. Like Niemi is not the Niemi that won the Stanley Cup with Chicago, but then again, I think that honestly, a goalie that was marginally better than Cristobal Huey could have been the goalie for Chicago that year. Well, I think uh, Lettinen has—you just said his name, his name, and I almost forgot it again. Yeah, Kerry Lettinen and Anthony on his contract. Yep, because. Yeah. So I think Lettinen has got a year left on his contract and signed what, like a three year contract a couple years ago. So he probably has one year left. They're probably just waiting these contracts out till they're over with. Cause you dish these guys off. Now you're going to have to eat some of that and it's going to be salary cap hit. Right. You wait until their contracts are up, let them go to free agency, disappear. Now what? But you're right. Who do they have to come in and replace them? So you're going to have to either trade one of those guys, throw them up in the expansion draft, let Vegas take one of them, mm-hmm. or come up with some kind of deal where you can buy into a bunch of draft picks 
and start looking out there and seeing what you can do. Um, but yeah, neither of those guys are the answer because they've shown that they're not the answer. So, you know, who knows? You know, who, who else is available out there that a team's willing to take? Auntie Ranta, the Rangers going to get rid of him? I mean, Lundqvist is back and, and healthy. Yeah, I don't know. I wouldn't think so. I, I mean, he, he was serviceable. He played all right. Yeah, I mean, when, when, when I mean, who else faltered, Ranta did, did great. Yeah. I don't know who else is out there. I mean, who's the backup on – who's Bobrovsky's backup? Oh. Corpusalo, is that his name? Uh, yeah. He's a young guy. Yeah. I mean, he was. These are guys that are just sitting on the bench, warming up a spot. I'm I'm thinking of, I'm trying to think of backup goalies that are out there that are, are, that never play. Well, okay. He's in a contract year. So it's, is he going to come back to the Blackhawks or is he going to go to another team as the, as the number one? Yeah. Well, there's another one. Well, yeah, but actually. In Washington. There's another one. I think Scott Darling would avoid the, uh, well, no, I mean, uh, getting back to Vegas, he had some personal problems with alcohol and, um, he played, uh, I think he played minor league in, in Vegas, if I remember correctly. And, uh, that was actually part of the problem. Oh, well, that's probably not the best. That wouldn't be the best option for him. What about, well, we just talked about Ben Bishop. No, wait, I'm sorry. Hang on. Didn't they, didn't the Kings only give him? My bad. He never played for Vegas, but he. Uh, oh. I, I think that that would just probably, maybe not the, be the best place for him. Um, Dig up some old demons. Yeah, I don't well, know. Well, we. What I was saying, we just talked about Ben Bishop. Didn't the Kings only sign him to like, just uh till the end of the season? Because isn't he an unrestricted free agent? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So I mean, okay. So there's Ben Bishop that might be available. That'd be a good. That'd be a good. Send him to Dallas. I, yeah, that might be a, a good fit. That'd be a hell of a good. That'd be a. I mean, Bishop's a Bishop is I think he's I mean he's a tall goalie but he's a really good goalie and um yeah I I'd like to see him I mean I'd like to see him finish the season without a groin injury Yeah there you go that's yeah. that's part of the problem Because that, that was part of the problem and you know one of the, one of the things that has been said about goalies getting these groin injuries is because they're playing so damn much where you're getting to this point where you have like your starter playing like 60, 70 games and your backup playing like 10 games and you can't do that anymore because there's just so much wear and tear on the body that you have to do. You The backup has to get more games. Um, and so, I, I mean, you get him in a situation where he could have a backup that can play 30 games maybe, 25 games, and, and then maybe he could stay healthy all season and not have problems. Well, that puts you also in a situation where now you need another goaltender as well. So, well, I mean, yeah. what if you could? But what you if you could get the Bishop huh? for? What if you? What's that? You could get Bishop. In, what if you could get Bishop for instead of a five-year deal, you could get him for like a, I don't know, a two-year deal or a three-year deal. Do you then sign him and not worry so much about the, the injuries? I don't know. I don't know. As a player, I want a long. You would have to work that contract out. I want a long-term deal as a player. Right. Okay. I'm not a GM. This is why I'm not a GM of anything. I I can't even be a GM of my own personal calendar in my phone. So yeah. this is why I'm not a GM of a hockey team because 
there's too many things that go into, you know, into all these decisions and bringing guys in. Hey, uh, let's wrap it up with one more thing. I want to talk about the Zach Wierenski, uh injury um, that he got the other night that really... That was pretty wicked. Wow, dude. I mean, I, you see somebody get hit in the face and then you see blood on the ice. I mean, dude, that is that is serious stuff. Um, I, I'm getting a little tired of the look at how tough these hockey players are. They come back through injury. Actually, I understand why he did that. Um, obviously, his eye had swollen to the point where he couldn't see out of it. And they, you know, he didn't play uh, in the overtime. Uh, and he had that full face mask. Uh, I mean, yeah, that's that's awesome uh, that he, I don't say that he got hurt, that he came back to play. I mean, we always admire players for doing that. But then again, if they took a puck, puck to the face and didn't come back in the game, we wouldn't be like, oh, you wimp. You, you know what I mean? Well, that's exactly it. This is why, this is another reason why I love this sport is because these guys are and, and they say it all the time they're warriors they go out there they fight they, they get hurt they patch it up rub some dirt on it walk it off and they're back out on the ice you don't see that in any other sport you don't i mean think, think about if you pick an athlete you pick a sport let's say basketball okay oh, lebron james lebron james to the eye he's out for the next three years i mean that's that's the reality of it you know, a guy gets a hangnail in baseball, a nine-day disabled list. You know, guys in football, it, it football's, football's a rough sport. You know, guys are smashing each other, run full speed, you know, that kind of thing. And I don't discount the, the whole concussion thing, mm-hmm. but you get a lot of guys with just mystery injuries. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, he's got, a, he's got an ankle, he's got a knee. You know, most of the coaches, they don't even say really what it is. Mm-hmm. You know, in hockey, that's why they're so secretive. They got an upper... He's got a lower body. Mm-hmm. They go, you know, they go to that point. In that game, I mean, the Wierenski thing was overshadowed. Well, Bonino got hit earlier in the game, in the eye. And and that was overshadowed by the Wierenski one because when Bonino got hit, he took it up under the visor right in almost the same spot. Mm-hmm. And he immediately dropped his stick, dropped his gloves. You could see there was blood coming down the side of his face. And he over at the at the the trainer and tried to skate off the ice and got off of there and then he's gone for a few plays next thing you know he's back on the bench stitched up and he's got the chin strap on, hooked onto the um the or the the plastic one that goes on the mm-hmm. visor piece yeah so he has that on his face but the Rensky thing you know taking that puck up in the face they focused more on that because he was down on the ice for so long they never blew the whistle. The Penguins scored. Mm-hmm. Then he got up. And so the camera was right on him, and he was coming towards it, and the blood is pouring and pouring, and the camera's just on it. And I'm like, stop showing this. This is crazy. <laughs> but the, but just like a typical thing, hockey player, he goes in the back. Hey, Doc, throw a couple stitches in here. I got to get back out there. And that's what he did until he realized his eye was swollen to the point where he couldn't see anymore. And then that was it, and he's done. Now I'll come to find out he has a he has a busted cheekbone, and he's out for the rest of the year. You know, if it wasn't for Austin Matthews, Wierenski would probably be the rookie of the year. Agreed. I mean, Agreed. easily. Yeah. Well, and, my name and is a here's, strong here's the guy too, but 
He does, but but look at how Roransky played. I mean, he's basically leading his team in points, and he's you know a defenseman. And well, what's even know, more impressive is who who he's playing for. John um, Torts. Yeah, and Torts yeah. does not. Okay, Torts does not. He's not the touchy feely coach, even though he's no. he's more chill this year. This is the kinder, gentler John Tortorella. He's still. Not that touchy feely type of coach. He's he, he's hardline. You know he he reminds me a lot of Mike Keenan. If you remember Mike Keenan, um, yeah, but Mike Keenan never smiled. I don't think I saw John Tortorella a single moment that they showed him on the screen yesterday that he wasn't smiling or had a smirk on his face. And I couldn't tell if that was sarcasm, sarcasm, if he was like trying to roll his eyes, or he was trying to prevent himself from going crazy. And the fact that uh, when Brian Boucher came out of the out of the uh, uh, flat out called out Dubinsky, mm-hmm. like while he was standing behind him, mm-hmm. that to me I was, I was like, oh, I've never seen a coach like basically point out a player's flaws right there, five inches away. Wow. From. You, you so think, you think he? Yeah, heard. I mean Tortorella is—he's a hardline guy, right? But so- you know even. Yeah, so Torts, I mean, okay, so if you're an 18-year-old rookie defenseman and John Tortorello is putting you in all different situations, you're doing a hell of a fine job if he if he puts that much trust Agreed. into you. And so Definitely. that's what impressed me about Orensky more than anything is that he's he's playing the big minutes, he's a young guy, and even though the Blue Jackets, okay, the Blue Jackets had their streak, but... The Blue Jackets are not the Blackhawks. The Blackhawks, they bring in their young guys. They give them limited minutes. Sometimes they're healthy scratches. Sometimes they're fourth line, you know, the way Quenville moves them around. And here Tortorella is just basically throwing them in the fire. Like, yeah, you can you can handle it. So you're absolutely right. If there was no, uh, if Austin Matthews was not, you know, going to be rookie of the yeah. year, it would probably be Wierenski. Hell of a way to end the season, though. I mean, Going down 0-3 to the Penguins, getting your cheekbone fractured. I mean, that's just that's just hockey, I guess. It was gruesome. Yeah. It was, it if was, if it was... people haven't seen the picture, they should. If people haven't seen that picture of his face, at, like while the overtime was going on and he was getting worked on in the back, um, they uh, you should you should follow him on Twitter. There's a it's it's a wicked picture. I mean, it is wicked. It's it's uh it's pretty good. All right, so uh, I think that's it for today. So maybe next time we'll talk a little bit blood, a little bit less blood and guts, and a little more uh, I don't know, shiny happy stuff. So uh, shiny happy, shiny happy hockey. Yes. All right. Uh, thanks for listening, everyone. <laughs>